Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm recording this on a Monday afternoon. It's a late afternoon. It's a gorgeous day. The weather has been amazing for the past week. Temperatures are uh, high, much higher than usual in the Netherlands. So a lot of kids are playing outside here. These kids are playing underneath the bell tower of my church. On the grass, there's a grass field. And the shadow of the trees shields them from the sun. Because with this kind of sun intensity, you have to be very careful. So I made sure to uh, use sunscreen to prevent any type of uh, cancerous activity on my skin. <laughs> um, so it's, it's hot. It's 28 degrees Celsius. I think that's about 82 degrees Fahrenheit. And the rest of the week is probably going to be like this as well. I think on Thursday it's going to get a little, uh, a little bit cooler. And that's good because on, on uh, Thursday I'm going to film on a location that I know since I was a kid. Uh, it's, um, it's a fairy tale attraction park. It started off as a fairy tale forest type of thing. Um, and then later on with, of course, all the other uh, major attraction parks like Disneyland, etc., kind of setting the 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 tone for <laughs> what entertainment should look like. They started to expand with the roller coasters and everything. But the heart of that park, the Efteling, it's in the south of the country, is still this beautiful park with all sorts of fairy tales that are displayed with uh, animatronics and everything. It's it's wonderful, and I'm going to interview the creative director of that park. Um, who is the one who comes up with all these fairy tales and does the storytelling. Even when it comes to roller coasters, usually they don't just put a roller coaster there, but they, they do lots of uh, storytelling to integrate it into the whole fairy tale environment of that park. And uh, I'm going to interview him for my fairy tale um, documentary. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and for that, of course, it's, it's good that it won't be as, as hot as these days. Um, and still, it's going to be dry and, and sunny. So, uh, another great week. I feel amazing. I have to, this is the first thing I wanted to share with you as I walk down the street here towards the uh, city center. Because stores will be closing soon. And I just want to do a few quick groceries get a few groceries before that happens um, but the first thing I wanted to share with you is um, how incredibly positive uh, my most recent dietary changes have been I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that I was trying to lose some weight um, during the winter I'd grown too heavy and uh, nothing too dramatic but still for someone of my size definitely uh, could lose some pounds and so I wanted to go back to um, the 72 kilograms that I weighed when I ran my first marathon which is a very very good normal weight for someone of my age and my length and when I started that journey I happened to be 10 kilograms too heavy for, uh, for that so that's about 20 pounds and I remember uh, at the time uh, chatting with uh, uh, with Cliff Ravenscraft, and I think he shared in one of his uh, episodes or vlogs that um, he had uh, been held accountable by one of his listeners 
uh, for a promise that he made a while ago that he would lose, I don't know, X amount of pounds um, at a certain date. And then he didn't really reach that. And so he kind of doubled his effort to still get there. And, and that was uh, very encouraging to me. I was like, well, okay, if Cliff does it, I should do that too. And just go what Dave Ramsey would call gazelle intense. You know, if you want to get out of debt, debt then it is uh, sometimes necessary to not go at it too slowly, but just get gazelle intense and put every, any effort that you have, every effort that you have into that process so to gather speed and to um, create a kind of a, a traction in, in that whole process. And that by itself generates more energy and more motivation. So that's what I want, uh, set out to do. But, of course, there are a few very important things that I had to do first. And that is gather the discipline to count my calories. That's the first thing. Even though there are many other ways in which, of course, you can uh, try to lose weight and get fit. Counting calories is, for me, an essential component. It's not something you can guess. Uh, what you eat and there are many hidden ways in which you can uh, still overeat you wouldn't even notice it so it's not something you can wing um, so I started to do that I still use um, um, what is it called my fitness pal even though I don't really like their um, privacy uh, settings this is an American platform and of course here in Europe they're bound to the new European laws of data protection and basically if you continue to use MyFitnessPal they force you to sign away your rights to your private uh, data which is not something I like to do on the other hand um, it's I wanted to do something that I used in the past use a service that I knew from the past has a database which has all the food that I've entered over the years into that database, so it makes it much easier to count my calories than if I would switch to another service. So for the time being, I'm just going to use that, and once I'm back at my normal uh, situation, health-wise, I'll probably make the switch to something else. But for now, it worked. works. And uh, the second thing is I started to create a calorie deficit. That's the fastest, because I didn't just want to lose weight by reducing my calorie intake. Now, if you want to lose a lot of weight quickly, the only healthy way to do that is by creating um, a caloric de deficit by exercising. And so by burning way more calories than you eat during the day. And so I uh, calculated that I, I, sh I had to create a deficit of about 2,000 calories um per day so t in order to lose what is it my first plan was to lose two kilograms every week so that would be four pounds around four pounds which is of course normal situation that would be way too much um but i figured i'm going to train start training for my marathon anyway and that is a process that will quickly burn tons of calories and um you can either of course choose to compensate for that by eating more um, or you can just leave it open and, and that will speed up the, the fat burning process and the third thing was I was going to train more on uh, using my heartbeat uh, and heart rate intensity 
And so there are several levels of, your, of heart rate intensity, and there is a certain level that will optimize the fat burning process. And so I took into account these three approaches. And then the final thing that I did was uh, I switched for the time being to a keto diet. You may have heard me talk about it and something that I wasn't too familiar about. It's kind of akin to a low-carb diet. Um, And don't ask me about the technicalities. There are some differences And one of the things that I wanted to try out, because this is, of course, not a permanent thing that I'm going to do, but what I wanted to try out was to combine that keto diet, which is basically you you make sure that you get a lot of fiber and a lot of fats, and and you try to avoid the fast carbs, uh, mostly sugar and refined carbs and stuff that wouldn't be good for me anyway. So uh, very heavy on plants and uh, it's not too exaggerated on the protein because that too can kick you out of ketosis. And what it does is at a certain, time, a certain point, your body it get, optimizes itself to burn fats instead of burning carbs. Now, usually it's um, not the best combination if you want to do intensive, intense... Uh, uh, what is it, sports activities. So in combination with running may not be the best thing to do, but on the other hand, I'm a very experienced runner, so my body is already very efficient when it comes to kind of uh, taking the available energy and, and uh, distributing it over the time that I'm running. So I was pretty confident that I could pull it off. And... Uh, I wanted to combine the keto diet with intermittent fasting, which was something that I heard very good things about. Um, Of course, it's kind of been a staple uh, activity for for Christians. Uh, In the Catholic tradition, fasting is something that is often promoted. But there's also just a very simple reason to do it, not a very spiritual one, but it's also very good for you. Of course, in moderation, like everything so intermittent fasting is nothing, well, the, the form that I've chosen to, uh, to try out is not fasting for several days, but it's fasting from a certain time in the evening until a certain time in the morning or afternoon. So it's basically not eating anything, not even snacking, which was one of my, one of my bigger pitfalls. It's those little s- snacks that you get in the evening while you're watching TV, for instance. And, um, and then not eat until... Well, for instance, between 8 in the evening and 8 in the morning. That already constitutes intermittent fasting and helps your body to get rid of the the available uh, carbs. And, and, uh, well, there's many other advantages to that. And then what you can also do is push that first meal gradually, because this is not something you, you start doing from one day to another. That may actually cause damage and and, uh, cause problems but you can slowly push that first meal towards lunchtime and then from lunch you can even push it further to dinner time so that if you have a bit more experience over time you would limit yourself to one meal per day it doesn't mean that you eat less in, 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 in total and that would be that's the pitfall that you only eat for instance um, I don't know, below 1,500 calories, which is the minimum uh, for responsible uh, 
uh, calorie reduction. So I wanted to make sure that I would get my 1500 calorie intake, but instead of eating that throughout the day, I would limit that to two or one meal per day. And I've been amazed by the effects. Uh, it's something that I read about a lot in the, in the articles and the research that I did, that it would cause much more alertness, that you would feel more awake, um, that it helped with focus and memory. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, whatever, we'll see. Oh, often those, those claims sounded a bit exaggerated to me. But lo and behold, that it turned out to be exactly what I felt or what I exper experienced. So I've had no trouble, for instance, pushing uh, the first meal to lunchtime. Skipping breakfast was no effort whatsoever. Um, you're totally allowed to get a cup of coffee, for instance, in the morning. That, I, I discovered that that was basically the only thing that helped me to, uh, get going in the morning. But since I switched my diet to a keto diet, which, is, uh, which has much more fat in it and more fiber, I wasn't hungry at all in the morning. One, one of the keys in the keto diet is to only eat when you're hungry. And I discovered, well, in the morning, I'm actually not hungry. I'm just used. It's a habit to, to have breakfast. And it's enjoyable to have a, a nice breakfast, but it's not necessary. So I started to skip that. And then even for lunch, I started to reduce that to, for instance, a salad uh, with some avocados. And I discovered that, well, that is actually enough to keep, to keep me going till the evening. And then for dinner... That's when I have the full meal and I try to get to, well, you have to put some thought in it, but it's totally possible to get to 1,500 calories with that. And so I've, I've, I've had a number of days last week where I only ate in the evening. And then after eating, because you eat more in the evening, I didn't have any hunger, so no temptation whatsoever to snack. I couldn't. I just I felt full, and I had no desire whatsoever to uh, to take in extra carbs in the form of a potato chips or a, uh, a tortilla chips or whatever. And so that alone helped me tremendously to uh, to to get things in in check, uh, to keep things in check, and to make sure that every day there would be this pretty big caloric deficit that would help my body to start burning the reserves the fat reserves and um i it it worked actually right from the get-go started to lose very very uh, gradually in a very slow but steady uh rhythm um the extra pounds and the all the other effects were even more noticeable especially the focus the energy in the morning. I mean, it's unbelievable how productive I've been for the past two weeks. This is something I haven't had for years. And it's not just the alertness or the energy. It's also kind of the presence of mind, the creativity, everything. It feels like my entire brain is working on all cylinders, but without any artificial stimulation. It's not by drinking tons of coffee. I have two cups of coffee for the entire day but it feels as if I'm super caffe full of caffeine um, 
it's it's just the quality of work is also incredible so it's it's totally working for me and i couldn't be uh happier and then um i uh weighed myself this morning i do that usually at the same moment in during the day so always in the morning when i wake up i go to the bathroom weigh myself and so i have this constant um let's let's say verification point of how do i i'm not sure how to say that but it's it's always it's reliable because it's always at the same time when my body is in the same situation and i've lost since i started to do this which was at the beginning of the month of june i think um already lost four a little bit more than four uh kilograms now i started way later than that i think i'm only doing this for three weeks now because th- i started when i started to Uh, run for the marathon or train for the marathon this is the third week of training so I've been basically doing this for two and a half weeks I've already lost more than four kilograms so that's about eight pounds which is <laughs> that is a rate that I've never been able to to uh, uh, to attain in, in previous efforts and also big big difference with previous efforts is just the you know, incredible impact on on uh on my brain of this uh, uh, procedure so and of course it makes me much more aware of what i eat and so even though it sounds totally wrong you know eating all this all these fat fatty uh, uh foods um but it's this is all about the quality i mean an avocado is incredibly healthy um but it's also very caloric and full of fat same thing with olive oil you know Usually when you you try to reduce your calories and you stick with a, the, a carb-based diet, then you're super careful with olive oil and any forms of fats because it, you kind of feel it's been programmed into us. We've been told that too much fat is bad for you. Well, I've noticed that I'm eating. I've never eaten this many vegetables during the day. Um, the avocados and lean meat like chicken chicken breast um yeah it's just it's, it's actually i think that this is the healthiest that i've ever eaten a nuts also let's not forget that is a source of fiber and healthy fats so there are many ways to it's not that i like i'm loaded i'm loaded up with bacon and 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 greasy stuff and fast food that would actually be a uh exactly the opposite of what you should do when you go keto So it's um it's been an amazing experience. I'm super happy. Not to mention that my running is also has improved tremendously. It's actually it's a little bit too hot to run. Yesterday it was also uh, 20 28 degrees Celsius and I decided to still go ahead and run. I hadn't eaten that entire day. So this was before my first meal and I still managed to run 11 kilometers. No, 11 miles, I should say. Um with this hot temperature i was running in the shadow I took some water with me and i burned 1500 calories in one go on an empty stomach i mean unbelievable and the only reason that that of course i can do that is that my body is burning up is using the fat the body fat as a source of energy and of course i won't because of the lack of carbs 
there's nothing fast to burn, so I can't run as fast. I don't have the same kind of massive energy that I would have if I'd loaded up on, on carbs, on pasta or something like that. But that's not a problem. In this training session, in these training weeks, most important thing is to always make sure you run the big distances. It's much more about accustoming uh, your body to these, lo- these big distances than it is to speed up. And there, in the current training schedule that I'm following, which is a, for the first time ever uh, an advanced training schedule, it's, there's a lot of speed work, but it's limited to one or two days a week. And so what the, speed, and the speed work is basically you run at the pace that you want to run your final marathon. Um, and I've decided to not go overboard with that. My last marathon took me five hours to finish. Um, and that was the worst ever. Now I've decided to run a four-hour marathon. If I, can run, if I can run that, I'm 50 years old. I think I'm actually doing a pretty good job. Good enough for me. So I'm training at those speed days for exactly that pace. And that is very challenging, but it is feasible. And then the other runs, I just take it easy, go slow. And uh, I know I'm enjoying it. I see the progress that I make. I feel amazing. Um, yeah, what's not to like about this? So by the end of the summer holiday when I go on the summer camp of the diocese and then I have my two weeks of vacation with my fellow priest friends I'll weigh 72 kilograms if I continue at this pace I'll totally get there no problem whatsoever which means I'll be ultra lean I'll I'll be more in shape than I've been since I ran my first marathon which was more than 10 years ago so Amazing. And thank you so much, uh, Cliff, for your encouragement and uh, your kind of crazy go-getter mentality. It's like, oh, I'll just do it. I can, I can, this is feasible. I tell myself that it's feasible. I'm just going to do it. And that was the kind of kick in the rear that I needed to, uh, to go for it. And it, it, it worked out really well. Uh, what else is uh, happening as I wait here for the red light for pedestrians to turn green man is it hot in the sun oh everybody starts moving although the, the light is still red I, I suppose I have to should have pressed the button the yellow button for pedestrians I'll just uh, move along with the bikes I'm currently uh, <laughs> also making quite a bit of progress on a Another weak point, which, uh, or weak point, something that I'm in the process of learning, and that is to be assertive and proactive with a lot of things. I was a huge procrastinator and a people pleaser, combination that you often see, and a perfectionist, (laughs) a deadly combination. And because I now work in a team of three people with Inge and Martin, more and more I notice that that is changing it's transforming my own uh, uh, attitude Martin is a go-getter very extra extroverted um, he's been working in the kind of the business world for a long time and so he's a guy who just t- picks up the phone calls five people and has an answer uh, in, in 15 minutes I'm a person who thinks about 
calling up someone for about a day, then procrastinates for three weeks, and then it's too late, and then sends an email. Well, today I was planning a number of um, uh, shows that I'm going to record. Um, some of them are for uh, the last few months of the year, but I'm already planning ahead for um, 2019, even though, I'll get to that a bit later, I don't even know if I'll still be on TV by, uh, by then, but I'm thinking, even if I'm not on TV, I can always record these shows and tell these stories uh, and, and distribute, distribute them through other channels or other means. So um, I've come up with a, quite a big list of, of potential topics for shows, and I've been calling tons of people to try to make that happen. And one of the things that I've always told myself I should do is use these summer weeks when, you know, life comes to a standstill. This is the last week was the last week of school. Lots and lots of people are on vacation. Life slows down. Temperatures go up. And in, and in previous years, I would always kind of slow down myself as well and um, just waste my time. <laughs> Now I'm like, well, the more I can finish now, the more I can film now, the easier it'll be for me at the end of the year. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just basically preventing all these deadlines to bother me in the near future. And so I've been uh, filming a lot of interviews, um, planning some stuff ahead of time. That's how I'm able to finish this whole fairy tale documentary this week. Also going to interview a number of people that are walking. There's this massive walking event in the Netherlands. And, and um, it takes place in the month of July. And we're talking more than four and a half... Four and a half... No, wait. Four hundred and a half? How do you say that? Four hundred fifty thousand people that partake in that. I think. Well, I may be wrong. That sounds like a lot. But anyway, this is the big walking event of the Netherlands and the entire country is following that and I a, w a while ago while running I had this idea well why don't I tell a Catholic story about that because this is such a major sport cultural sports event I'm sure that there are Catholics with a story to tell that are going to do that and I'm going to interview them and follow them and so I found a number of people I'm still in talks with a few people there are also some local parishes that during that big walking event open their churches so people can stop and pray. And uh, this is, so it's, it's also a very interesting occasion for evangelization. And, and it, the weather is beautiful in the summertime. So it's, the skies right now are blue. The sun is shining. Everything looks super bright and colorful. There are flowers everywhere in the Netherlands. So this is a fantastic time to film and to work ahead and, and not wait, which what I used to do in the past, uh, until the months of September and October when the Netherlands grow cold and rainy and, and dreary and gray. Um, yeah, this is, this is it. So I, I told you uh, a few minutes ago that I wasn't even sure that I'd still be on TV next year and this has to do with uh, the um, a, a very quick decrease in advertisement revenue uh, that our public channels are, uh, are uh, noticing right now 
So two years ago, there was a huge, huge um, operation to scale down the uh, public channels on radio and television. That was politically motivated. Uh, a, lot, some, a lot of politicians actually think that our public channels should work cheaper. They have no idea how much it costs to produce quality TV and radio. Um, and there's this overall superficial movement. Like radio nowadays is, is only a, it's a shadow of what it used to be. When I was a kid, I would listen to Radio 1, which was our news channel, all day long. And I learned so much over documentaries and, and there was real news reporting none of that is left there's a little bit of news in the in the morning in the evening it's filled to the brim with sports news which is another plague i really hate that that they combine news media with sports media i truly believe that that should be separate there should be separate channels for that i don't give a rat's tail about soccer and, and, and biking and stuff i mean I, and I understand that there are tons of people that love to hear about that. Give them their own channel. Why should I be bothered with all this, these reports about soccer matches that I, I really don't care for? And, and it, it gets in the way of, of the news that I want to hear. So right now, for instance, on the radio, they've started what they call the summer of sports, which means that beyond the... the one hour of, of, of news information in the morning and then in the evening, the entire day is filled with sports documentaries. And it's not just, it's not interesting documentaries. It's all rehashing matches that were on TV and the, 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 the bland, superficial, pff, rubbish, rubbish radio. And so I don't listen to the radio. I just listen to podcasts. At least there I can choose, you know. And I, I feel that TV should, if it's going to change, it should go in towards that in that direction. But instead, what they're doing is they're killing the best programs. So uh, they've just learned that they have a, um, what you call that, um, a reduction in income or revenue, I should say, of 60 million dollars, uh, 60 million euros. So for advertisements because our public channels have a run on uh, for 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 a, a certain percentage on advertisement income um, ads have are moving to to the internet to so social media and so they have a deficit of 60 million euros that's in one year it go it went down to 60 million our politicians now tell uh, the broadcasting companies that they have to cough it up They'll have to find ways to economize that amount of money. But 60 million is on top of, a, I think, about 250 million that they, um, that they took away a few years ago, which led to an uh, incredibly high amount of, uh, uh, of firings. Um, a lot of the, of the excellent programming that we used to have uh, was also... Um, completely removed people uh, also presenters were fired um and and then the politicians kept saying well you should go towards the bbc model you know we have this old-fashioned system in the netherlands where everything is based on these pillars around 
certain faith denominations and there, of course there are a lot of secularized politicians that dream of killing every type of religious programming on our, our public channels with their perception that in the, ne the Netherlands is such a secularized country that there is no room anymore for religious programming. To which I would say that's complete nonsense because what they see is life in the city. A lot of the politicians live in the western part like Rotterdam, The Hague. Those are very secularized areas of the country. But just like in the United States, you have the kind of the middle part of the US, which is very different from the big coastal cities. The same is true for my country as well. And as soon as you move away from the western part of the, of the country, you'll find actually that religion still matters to a lot of people. They may not all go to church every week, but it's still something that is undeniably part of their of their culture, of, of their way of life. And so denying them religious program is only going to help secularism to grow. So I'm always extremely, um, let's say, I, of course I, I have no power whatsoever, no influence, um, but I'm extremely critical towards these attempts to, to put them, to put the blame on religious programming, because that's what they do, basically. They're now telling us we should economize 60 million do uh, euros. And then they tell the religious parties uh, and, and broadcasting companies, or broadcasting companies that have a religious background, that the religious program should go. Whereas these religious programs are the cheapest ones on television. I work for the... I, my programs, actually, I know this for a fact is one of the cheapest programs on the entire network. That's three channels. There's almost no one that can produce television of this quality level that we do with, with like every, this is not talk show with talking heads, but and even that costs more than what, what we do, but we do like full-fledged thematic episodes every single week, quality filming, quality content. It, this is about stuff that actually matters to society. And yet, that's where they point the gun right now. And that has to go. And I know that... Um, well, I've, I've, I've inquired a little bit. So how, how dangerous is this for my own program? Because, of course, if my program would disappear, it also means that my income would, would disappear. And that is... I use that income to, to finance what I do in other media as well. So it's, it's the television work that pays for my uh, salary as a priest so that I don't have to worry about that and I can use the, for instance, the donations that come in from Patreon. I can use 100% of, of those donations to produce content, to finance Tridio and, and, and the productions that I do. Everything else, my entire... You know, my, the, the food that I eat, the, the, the rectory that I rent, it's all paid for by the work that I do on television. So, of course, that would have massive impact on my life and I'd have to make other plans. Um, so, I've asked around. First, initial things that I heard are a bit reassuring. Well, it's probably not the Catholic programs that are going to suffer from this right now it's always like well when will when will it be our turn but apparently some of the protestant programs are already threatened 
uh, and could disappear very, very soon. So unless they find other means to finance those programs, they will disappear from TV. And then, of course, it's just waiting for the next uh, victim of this, uh, I think, very ideological approach to media. So with that in the back of my mind, I've started to develop alternative plans. I'm always, I, I try to, to look ahead and to, instead of waiting for the situation to uh, go down the drain, I'm thinking, so what can, I, what can I do? I cannot change the political bias in the country. I can't change these, these I, I can't undo um, the, this, this whole re reduction of, of, of resources, etc. But there are things that I can do. And I've been building up Tridio, and I've been trying other means. Perhaps now it is time to get that to the next level and to grow these audiences and to grow the, the let's say, the resources and the, the foundation of, of this work and make programs for an audience that is now still watching TV but very soon may not find anything religious on Dutch TV anymore. So what am I going to do then? How can I make that happen? And who can I partner up with? Well, that's what I've been working on for, the, for a few weeks now. I've been in very, very preliminary, early stages of talks with parties and people. And I've started to uh, get myself in a creative mode, which, of course, now that I feel so good, <laughs> I have a ton of ideas. Wow, there's a lot of wind all of a sudden. I'm uh, fortunately also using a uh, dad cat <laughs> like this wind breaker on my microphone so hopefully you won't have too much trouble with the sound I think I wonder why, why all of a sudden the wind is so strong I don't know perhaps it's the sun going down so anyway uh, I, I, this is a great time to make plans and it actually feels I feel empowered I'm thinking well Instead of waiting and just be, and I think in a very similar way, I think about my parish and and the Catholic Church in the Netherlands. There are so many of my colleagues and also the bishops that are in this mode of like everything is going down and the Titanic is sinking and we totally hit the iceberg and let's just pray or we play music as if nothing happens. But but you could also think, well, so, okay, so, yeah, the big ship is going down. Can I build another boat? Can I find a, a, a lifeboat or a life raft? And how, how, can we, how, can, how can we do something positive in this situation? And if, if you take this to a spiritual level, you can do two things. You can, if things go wrong in your life, you can blame God and complain and feel, feel bad about yourself and you're the victim of everything. That is usually a choice that leads to nothing. It will only take you down even more. It will drain away your energy. The second thing you can do is just accept the situation, try to look ahead and think, well, what can I do with what, whatever I have as resources, as possibilities? And that will often make you very creative. It's something I've learned uh, on, on my way to Santiago. There's a situation where everything goes wrong and you don't have a place to stay, you don't 
have you have blisters, but you don't have the blister. What is it? The um, uh, the stuff you put around your toe. You know. Well, anyway, <laughs> forget about it. I'm trying to. I'm making this more complicated than it should be. But um, it's in those situations that you start to think in a creative way. And so, okay, all the hotels are full. All the 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 albergs are full. <laughs> what can I do? And sometimes the solution will present itself and you just jump on it and it works out anyway. Uh, but if you start to panic, if you start to lose trust, if you start to stop thinking, even if you have to think on your feet oftentimes, then you're, you'll definitely lose and you'll definitely uh, uh, not find a solution. So, it's these are are exciting times at the same time everything could change uh, as soon as next year so um, but I feel I feel very very much in charge of my own life and what's the worst that could happen well they take away my TV show uh, they take away my income all right I'll just talk with my bishop and I'll, I'll I'll talk with some other people and and see if they can help me out and if they value what I do and they value the what the results of my work in the media, then I'm sure that there will be people that will be able to help me continue that. And if they don't value it, or not enough, and they say, well, Father Roderick, yeah, it was nice while it lasted, but now it's over. Even then, I could still continue to do so much with limited time, with limited means. It's all a matter of prioritization, even uh, enlisting even more help from other people. I don't have to do this by myself. Like two years ago, I was doing a lot of this by myself, and I had uh, Inga who helped me out, and that was about it. Um, now, only two years later, we have a platform that produces uh, uh, ten times more content than before with much higher quality, and my life has only become e uh, easier. And, and I'm much more relaxed and less stress, stressed than I was uh, two years ago. So it's just a matter of adapting to the circumstances and trying to, uh, to make the most with what you have. All right, uh, I'm starting to, uh, to blabber, so <laughs> I think it may be time to wrap this up. Quick update, uh, just to let you know what's going on here in the Netherlands and uh, as the trains pass me by, in both directions, because this is the train hub of the Netherlands, I'm, uh, I'm going to get my groceries, and then I'm going to prepare my first meal. Of, oh, that's actually not true. Today I had a salad, salad at lunch. Otherwise, Martin has to eat, eat lunch by himself. But I'll get my full-fledged, full-calorie keto meal, and then after that, or before that, I'll still have to run about five miles, I think, according to my schedule. But that's, that's okay. I can do that. All right. Thanks for listening. Go over to tradio.com for all my other shows. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.